boy. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome back to the show. It's time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew Four, America, and I am in my new digs. Uh, it's a little echoey in here. I just moved in. Uh, I'm looking for uh, some furniture right now. I got a couch on the way. I got to get, you know, all set up. So this uh, podcast might not sound uh, as good as normal. Uh, I'm going to do my best to keep the noise reduction down, keep the background noise down, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I want to try to give you guys a good show today. Lots going on in the world, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my last episode, I started talking about Ukraine pretty much the day, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty much the day of the invasion by Russia. Um, I don't, I really haven't been paying that much attention to the news but I have been hearing all about it from everybody on the social medias. Everybody's an expert on transatlanticism and NATO and Russia. Did you know that? You, I'm sure you've all been seeing the uh, social media um, profile pictures going around. Uh, you know, I support uh, the new thing or the next thing or... The current thing. <laughs> Just brain-dead lemmings walking through life, letting the media tell them what to think, what to feel, who's bad, who's good. You're just so controlled and manipulated. It is amazing that my show and shows like mine, people like me, continue to tell you guys that this is what's going on in the world. We continue to tell you how effective media propaganda and media manipulation is, and still millions of you just don't fucking get it. And I don't know if you ever will. I don't know if you're savable. I've said it a million times. I'm pulling for you, though, people. It's only a matter of time. Everyone's on a different point on their quest. Some people haven't even begun their quest, right? So I wanted to talk today, I wanted to open the show talking about this concept of Atlanticism. I've touched on it a couple times here in previous podcasts. And I just want to read uh, just this little blurb to you. Just to give you an idea of what Atlanticism is all about. Atlanticism or transatlanticism is the belief in or support for a close relationship between peoples and governments in North America, United States and Canada, and those in Europe, the European Union, the United Kingdom, Switzerland, Norway, etc. Regarding political, economic, and defense issues, it seeks to maintain the security and prosperity of the participating countries and protect liberal democracy and the values that unite them. The term derives from the Atlantic Ocean that separates North America from Europe, right? Wow, how profound. The term can be used 
<coughs> gosh, excuse me. The term can be used in a more specific way to refer to support for North Atlantic military alliances or in a more expansive way implying broader cooperation, perceived deeply shared values, emerging of diplomatic cultures, and a sense of community and some degree of integration between North America and Europe. Sounds great, right? Lofty goals, good intentions, allegedly, right? In practice, the philosophy of Atlanticism encourages active North American, particularly American, engagement in Europe and close cooperation between states on both sides of the ocean. Atlanticism manifest, manifested itself more strongly during the Second World War and in its aftermath, the Cold War, through the establishment of various Euro-Atlantic institutions, most importantly, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, and the Marshall Plan. Atlanticism varies in strength from region to region and country to country based on a variety of historical and cultural factors. It is often considered to be particularly strong in Eastern and Central Europe and the United Kingdom. Pol uh, politically, it has tended to be associated most heavily and enthusiastically, but certainly not exclusively, with classical liberals or the political right in Europe. Pay close attention to that. Classic liberals and the political right. And if you think that those two things are contradictory, you got some learning to do. Atlanticism often implies an affinity for U.S. political or social culture or an affinity for Europe in North America, as well as the historical bonds between the two continents. There is some tension between Atlanticism and continentalism on both sides of the Atlantic, with some people emphasizing increased regional cooperation or integration over transatlantic cooperation. However, the relationship between Atlanticism and North American or European integration is very complex and they are not seen in direct opposition to one another by many commentators. Internationalism is the foreign policy belief combining both Atlanticism and Continentalism. The relative decline of European power in the world, the dissolution of the Soviet Union, and the spread of Atlanticist norms outside of North America, I'm sorry, outside of the North Atlantic region have decreased the strength of Atlantist, Atlanticist thought since the end of the Cold War. Other international relationships have been increasingly emphasized, although the transatlantic relationship is still arguably the most important in the world. Prominent Atlanticists include former U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Ronald Reagan, United Kingdom Prime Ministers Winston Churchill, Margaret Thatcher, Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, U.S. Secretary of State Dean Acheson, 
former Assistant Secretary of War and perennial presidential advisor John J. McCloy, former U.S. National Security Advisor Zbigniew Brzezinski, and you know about that name, former NATO uh, Secretary General Javier Solana, and Council on Foreign Relations co-founder Paul D. Cravath. And now I'm going to go over, this is going to be a little bit long-winded, but I'm trying to set up a point, okay? So just come along on this ride with me, okay? The North Atlantic Council is the premier governmental forum for discussion and decision-making in an Atlanticist context. Other organizations that can be considered Atlanticist in origin include NATO, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the G6, 7, and 8, North Atlantic Cooperation Council, Euro-Atlantic Partnership Council, and the World Bank and International Monetary Fund are also considered Atlanticist. Under a tacit agreement, the former is led by an American, the World Bank, and the latter a European, the IMF. So think about that for a minute. The World Bank, under an agreement, the World Bank is led by an American, and the International Monetary Fund is led by a European. Who are those people that run these two organizations? Go look it up. So let's move on. Here's a little bit about the ideology of Atlanticism. Atlanticism is a belief in the necessity of cooperation between North America and Europe. The term can imply a belief that the bilateral relationship between Europe and the United States is important above all others, including intra-European cooperation, especially when it comes to security issues. The term can also be used as a shorthand for the transatlantic security architecture. Now, I want you to pay attention to this word. Supranational integration of the North Atlantic area had emerged as a focus of thinking among intellectuals on both sides of the Atlantic already in the late 19th century. Supranational integration. Supranational sovereignty. Where have you heard that term before, people? David Rockefeller, quote, the supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practiced in past centuries, unquote. That's a big phrase. Lots to unpack from that. Although it was not known as Atlanticism at the time, the term was coined in 1950. 
They developed an approach coupling soft and hard power, which would to some extent integrate the two sides of the Atlantic. The idea of an attractive nucleus union was the greatest soft power element, the empirical fact of the hegemonic global strength such a union would hold was the hard power element. So that's a, that's a long-winded way of saying, let's get together and dominate the world, right? This approach was eventually implemented to, the certain, to a certain degree in the form of NATO, the G7 grouping, and the other Atlanticist institutions. In the long debate between Atlanticism and its critics, and its critics in the 20th century, the main argument was whether deep and formal Atlantic integration would serve to attract those still outside to seek to join. As Atlanticists argued, or alienate the rest of the world and drive them into opposite alliances. And when I read that, I think to myself, what if China and Russia decided to create an opposite alliance to the Atlanticists, quote unquote, right? The Atlanticist perspective that informed the scheme of relations between the U.S. and Western European countries for the end of World War II was informed by political expedience and a strong civilizational bond. Realists, neutralists, and pacifists, nationalists and internationalists, tended to believe it would be the latter, citing the Warsaw Pact as the proof of their views and treating it as the inevitable real politic counterpart of NATO. Broadly speaking, Atlanticism is particularly strong in Britain, linked to a special relationship, Eastern and Central Europe, uh, i.e. Germany and Russia. There are numerous reasons for its strength in Eastern Europe, primarily the role of the U.S. in bringing political freedom there after World War the first, after the First World War, the role of the U.S. in defeating Nazi Germany, which occupied the region during the Second World War, its leading role during the Cold War, its re relative enthusiasm for bringing the countries of the region into Atlanticist institutions such as NATO, and a suspicion of the intentions of the major Western European powers. Some commentators say countries such as Denmark, Poland, Romania, and the U.K., among other I'm sorry, among those who generally hold strong Atlanticist views while seeing Germany tending to promote continentalist views and a strong European Union. While transatlantic trade and political ties have remained mostly strong throughout the Cold War and beyond, the larger trend has been continentalist economic integration with the European Economic Area and the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, notably dividing the Atlantic region into two rival trade blocks. However, Many political actors and commentators do not see the two processes as being necessarily opposed to one another. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called globalization, people. They're trying to globalize. They're trying to create one world, if you will. In fact, some commentators believe regional integration can reinforce Atlanticism. Article 2 of the North Atlantic Treaty, added by Canada... 
also attempted to bind the nations together in economic and political fronts. So there you go. I'm going to stop boring you with reading to you about Atlanticism. I just wanted to give you that brief history because it is clear the idea is clearly tied to post World War II, the crea- the creation of the United Nations, and this idea of laying the foundation of the creation, of the beginning, of the genesis of the new world order. So there you go. Little history for you. Hopefully that was interesting and informative. Now I want to share this. This is from a guy named Jason Basler. His Twitter handle is at Jason Basler1. And I love this. Uh, there's a guy on my Instagram who's shared this. Jackson Hill 81 is his name. And his posts have been absolute fire lately. Um, so here, take a listen to this. This is a really good point. The U.S. has dropped at least 300 37,000 bombs in the past 20 years. It has bombed Syria for five years, Yemen for seven years, Somalia for 15 years, Iraq for 16 years, Pakistan for 18 years, Afghanistan for 21 years. But now... You care about Ukraine? Exactly when the media tells you to. Right? Think about it. All these people on social media. Oh, I stand with Ukraine. I stand with Russia. Just because it's on the news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And how many times have I told you, When the media is heavily, heavily covering one story, typically the idea is to distract from another story. And in my opinion, that story is what's going on in Canada. My fellow Americans, where's your outrage for what your American government is doing in Syria, Yemen, Somalia, Iraq, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. From anywhere between the last five and 20 years. And the only reason you're not outraged about it, stupid lemmings, is because it's not covered in the mainstream media. When are you gonna get it through your heads? It's just gross. It's just disgusting to me. The only reason you people are trying to take a side between Ukraine and Russia is because it's being spoon-fed, blasted in your face. 
over and over and over again. Ugh. I don't know, man. People, I'm trying. I'm trying to keep the faith. I really am. I'm trying to stay positive. I'm, I'm trying to find the silver linings. But man, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. I, I, I really don't. I don't know what it's going to take to wake people up. This is from a guy, uh, Joshua Potash, at Joshua Potash on Twitter. Uh, Russians can no longer pay for Netflix and Spotify with their bank cards. They also can no longer use Apple Pay or Google Pay. So before we get rid of cash and go fully down this path of digital currency, he's alluding to, it's worth thinking both about the fragility of that system, the fiat currency system is what he's talking about, and who can turn it off and on. And that is concerning because I said this uh, last episode, and I'm going to remind you now, Fed Chair Jerome Powell recently said, this war underscores the need for crypto regulation. Believe it or not, believe it or not, agree or disagree, or believe it or not, I guess. I told you crypto is volatile, and as soon as the central banks find a way to get in control of it, like that guy said uh, a couple episodes ago, your, your altcoins are going away. Anything that isn't based on something real, <laughs> you know, he said you better take everything off those altcoins and put it on a ledger because they might be going away. Or no, that would, that's what he said. He said you need to have a stored value, something that, that you know, a coin that uh, has a stored value. And again, I don't, I'm not a crypto genius. I understand the basics of it. But I knew it was too soon. I always knew that the crypto game was a little too soon to put all, you know, to push in, all in on the longevity of it. Yeah, granted, as a trading vehicle, people are making money. Oh yeah, great. People are also losing their ass. The risk-reward ratio is vast. And I've been over it quite a bit. But now, as soon as you get get a little war and a little... uh, volatility in the market going on. We've seen what happens. This is nothing new. Crypto might be something new, but government power player and Fed control, that's nothing new. It was only a matter of time, people. And listen to this. This just pisses me off. This just drives me crazy. And I touched on this last episode. CBS News recently tweeted, the U.S. economy has been hit with increased gas prices, inflation, and supply chain issues due to the Ukraine crisis. (laughs) I told you that's what they were going to do. 
They engineered the lockdowns. They destroyed our economy. And now they're going to use this Ukrainian crisis as the scapegoat. A bunch of our politicians got their kids over there working for these companies, namely Hunter Biden and Burisma. I guess uh, I, I heard somewhere that Pelosi's kid and Mitt Romney's kid, maybe amongst others, are all employed over there. There's something going on in Ukraine. Somebody told me that there's a, it's like a human trafficking hub, which doesn't surprise me. That falls right into the conspiracy theorist narratives, if that's true. How much evidence do you need, people? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, saw a, I saw a meme the other day that said, well, the conspiracy theorists uh, are up 24 to 0 <laughs> for anybody who's counting. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's, inc it's incredible. And then, <laughs> uh, I saw this. This was pretty good. Once again, government aggression is leading to war. In Western media, government has people brainwashed. How, you may ask? Well, NATO was formed in 1949 after World War II as an anti-Soviet military alliance between the U.S. and Western European powers. That's very important to remember, people. NATO was originally formed in opposition to Russia and Soviet Union. So if you think this conflict is new, people, oh, I don't know if you're savable. The Soviet Union dissolved in 1991. NATO should have dissolved too then, right? Well, wrong. Not only did NATO not dissolve, they actually added an additional 14 countries to basically encircle Russia. NATO also made multiple promises to not expand past Germany, which were all lies. But NATO is a defensive alliance. How is toppling the governments of Yugoslavia, Afghanistan, and Libya, just to name a few, quote-unquote defensive? Can you see why Putin feels like he is backed up against a corner and being attacked? Keep in mind that me showing you the other side of things that the media and government will never show you doesn't mean I'm giving Putin a free pass either. And I like that because this person that said that is just giving you a little history and they're not taking a side. It's not about taking a side, you lemming, American, naive, gullible, dipshit, citizens. It's rich people fighting rich people. It's aristocrats fighting with other aristocrats. Your voice and your opinion is irrelevant. You're jerking yourself off thinking that your opinion on for or against Ukraine or for or against Russia matters. Your opinion doesn't matter. Knowing the reality of what's going on and the history of what has gone on in that region for years and years and years and years and years is the most important thing if you want to understand what's going on. And if you want to take a side after you know what's going on, fine, take a side. 
You want to be pro-Ukraine? You want to be pro-Russia? Do, you know, do whatever you're going to do. But this entire argument makes me think of a quote by Carl Jung. And I want you guys to pay very close attention to this quote and think about it for a second. Quote, Every form of addiction is bad, no matter whether the narcotic be alcohol or morphine or idealism, unquote. Idealism can become an addiction. It is the birthplace of fundamentalist radicalized thought making too many emotional decisions without using logic and reason and pragmatism and a desire to be cooperative it's not always about taking a side people Sometimes you got to extend an olive branch. Sometimes you got to reach across the aisle. Because if you don't, it just looks like you want your team to win. It doesn't look like you have the best intentions of the whole in mind. I just want you guys to think about that, okay? I want to share this. This is, <laughs> I love this shit. When I see these, uh, some of the liberty-minded pages will do this side-by-side -side comparison of some group that made a tweet and then they tweeted in the future past that tweet and completely contradicted themselves. And it's just like, it's my favorite. I, I love seeing flip-flopping hypocrites. I, I love it. I, I, I just can't get over it. And of course, this one is from none other than Occupy Democrats. <laughs> you want to get some, you, you want to follow a humorous page to the modern day intellectual thinker? Go follow Occupy Democrats. <laughs> it's, it's got about as many laughs in there as the Babylon Bee does. It's amazing. Here we go. June 14th, 2016, Occupy Democrats page shared this tweet. No civilian needs an AR-15. Regardless of whatever mental gymnastics you do, <laughs> you are a very special breed of stupid. <laughs> I mean, people, before I even get to them putting their foot in their mouth, just think about that. No civilian needs an AR-15. Regardless of whatever mental gymnastics you do, you are a very special breed of stupid. Okay, first of all, that illustrates what I always say about the new left and the progressive movement. You're a bunch of little petulant children that think you know everything. You're just petty and so naive and so holier than thou. And I know I'm trying, I'm trying to be nice to you, progressive lefties, but you continue to make a fool of yourselves. And the fact that you're not capable of self 
reflecting and realizing it makes me think that possibly, maybe, just maybe, you people are not savable. And then here we go. This is just from a couple weeks ago. Occupy Democrats followed up that tweet from 2016 with this one. Breaking news. Ukraine's interior minister announces that 10,000 automatic rifles have been handed out to the civilians of Kiev as they prepare to fight tooth and nail to defend their homes against Putin's invasion. <laughs> if you stand with the RT, if you stand with the brave Ukrainian people. <laughs> No civilian needs an AR-15. Uh, no civilian needs an AR-15. Regardless of whatever mental gymnastics you do, you're a special breed of stupid. And oh, by the way, when Russia invades Ukraine, we're going to celebrate the handing out of automatic rifles to the civilians of Kiev as they pre prepare to fight tooth and nail to defend their homes against Putin's invasion. People. I rest my case with this progressive left hypocritical nonsense. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I, I, I mean, I can keep coming up with example after example after example of the ignorant, naive, stupid hypocrisy. And you know what? I'm going to get off you progressive lefties because I know it's not just you. I've seen some of the Republican, more right-leaning news, and I've seen some right-leaning people on the social media's comments lately, and <laughs> uh, they're equally as ignorant. Is anybody listening to me? Is anybody internalizing when I tell you about the two-party system, about the divide-and-conquer agenda? Every story that you see in the modern era always comes back to that fabricated system of control that keeps your mind in this holding pattern, this binary holding pattern of left, right, for or against, this or that, yes or no, yay or nay. You got to dive deeper than that, people. You have to suspend your disbelief. Aristotle, the mark of an intellectual mind, is the ability to entertain an idea without accepting it. Like Chris Rock said, let an idea swirl around your brain for a little bit before you form your opinion. Ugh. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, we're in trouble, people. We're in trouble. I want to read you this quote by Frank Zappa. And if you don't know who Frank Zappa is, you should probably look it up. Quote, The illusion of freedom will continue as long as it's profitable to continue the illusion. At the point where the illusion becomes too expensive to maintain, they will just take down the scenery. 
They will pull back the curtains. They will move the tables and chairs out of the way. And you will see the brick wall at the back of the theater. Without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. And the norm is the mainstream media manipulated propaganda. The norm is the two-party system. The gatekeeper between you, me, all of us. We, the people. And the aristocrats that run this fucking place. Einstein's definition of insanity. Doing the same thing. Over and over and over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat it. I'm going to take a break and when I come back we're going to keep talking about this shit. Because people, there's a brave new Orwellian surveillance police state totalitarian dictatorship that's coming. I'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. People, welcome back to the show. So, I want to bring this up just because it's been on my mind. Remember back a couple episodes ago when um, the Canada corruption, crypto, credit scores, whatever episode? Um, I played you that long video by Exposed Politics, the Exposed Politics Network. And <clears throat> when I was talking about the secret societies... I forget the mainstream media news guy's name. I, and honestly, in retrospect, I can't believe that whoever that dude is got to ask those questions of both John Kerry and, and George W. Bush on the mainstream media. I mean, that is bananas to me that that was allowed to occur. He was like, both of you guys are members of Skull and Bones. You know, can, can you tell us about that? Is there a secret handshake? What about the number 322? And John Kerry's like, yeah, there's a lot of secrets I wish I could divulge. But one thing that's not a secret is that I disagree with this president's policies. I'm the man to do the job. Blah, blah. <laughs> and then he ends up conceding to George W. You don't think that wasn't a big club skull and bones plan? Both of the options that were presented to you, my fellow Americans, were controlled 
opposition. When you gonna wake up from your slumber? But I want to read this. So I found out what the 322 of Skull and Bones is referring to. Remember when George W. Bush said, oh, it's so secret I can't talk about it. <laughs> what a fucking dumbass. That dude is such a dipshit. He just insulted people's intelligence. I understand. I understand how after 9-11 people didn't be like, well, this is fucking obvious what's going on. Allegedly two planes flew into the Twin Towers. And I say allegedly because, I don't know, there's some, there's some information out there that, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the Pentagon. I mean, maybe these are conspiracy theories, people, I don't know. But where's the fucking evidence? You think a plane flew into the Pentagon on September 11th, 2001? Do you really think that? Remember when I uh, did my interview with Sam Winchester? He said that, I mean, he, he gave you a, a long explanation about how he saw the, the media footage of an alleged plane hitting the Pentagon. There was pictures of glass that was not broken. And he said to himself, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Anyway. Listen to this. And I don't know if there's any truth to this. I want to preface this. I just found this out on the interwebs. But it made me think. Made me think. So allegedly, allegedly, the 322 number of Skull and Bones Secret Society at Yale University that George W. Bush and John Kerry and many, many others, William Buckley, etc., the young kid talked about in the previous episode. And I don't know who that kid is, but boy, that kid, sharp, clever. Uh, apparently, the 322 number of Skull and Bones refers to Genesis 322 from the Bible, the Old Testament. And the Lord said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And I want to recommend a couple books. Uh, as soon as I read that, that that is allegedly what the 322 secret number of Skull and Bones refers to, it, immedi it immediately made me think of a two-book series by author Daniel Quinn, Ishmael and the Story of B. And a couple episodes ago, this was not on purpose, I, I, <laughs> I coincidentally said, I'm going to call that the rule of B. Be better than your bullshit behavior. And in the bar world, there's a phrase called the rule of P. And the rule of P 
states that prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance. And that's also, that's also a military uh, rule, the rule of P. And the rule of B is be better than your bullshit behavior. But I highly, 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 highly recommend. If you don't read a single book I ever talk about on this show, go buy Daniel Quinn's two books, Ishmael followed by The Rule of B. Read the accolades. There are people that said there's this one <laughs> there's this one review of these two books. I can't remember who it's by. If you go by the book, you'll see it because it's in the book. But the guy or gal says, from now on, I'm going to separate every book I've ever read into two categories. The books that I read before Ishmael and the books that I've read after. And I believe that person would say the same, the same thing about the story of B. Because I just got done reading the story of B. And it's a game changer. It might even be a life changer. Go buy Daniel Quinn's two books, Ishmael and the story of B. And after you read those two books, my fellow Americans, you're going to understand a lot about who Andrew for America really is. And not to get too um, revolutionary, I guess, I found this interesting uh, bit, this interesting clip uh, from the Roman Empire, or talking about the Roman Empire, and I had to share this in the spirit of freedom convoys and Ukrainian citizens that are loyal to Russia creating republics where they want to be free, sovereign citizens, separatists, whatever you want to call it. Take a listen to this. This phenomenon occurred back during the Roman Empire. Commoners in ancient Rome occasionally exercised a social strategy called Caesio Plebis or secession of the plebs, the plebeians. And if you don't know what the plebeians are in the Roman Empire, go look it up. So commoners in ancient Rome occasionally exercised a social strategy called the secession of the plebs, in which the entire, listen up, in which the entire working class would evacuate a city en masse and refuse to work or fight in an army, leaving the patrician, or the patriarchy class, the aristocrats, to fend for themselves. This secessions, or these secessions, were an effective means of winning legal and economic 
concessions. And you know what that makes me think of when I read that to you? It makes me think of the story I told you about the Russian aristocracy after the Russian Revolution from the previous episode. This, that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened to the Russian aristocracy after the Russian Revolution. The patrician class was forced to fend for themselves because the entire working class evacuated cities en masse, refused to work, and refused to fight in the army. Talk about setting the example for others to follow. In the military, that's a phrase. Setting the example. It's one of, in my opinion, one of the most important, powerful virtues that a citizen can have. And that a good, decent person willing to teach and willing to be cooperative has. It's a, it's a personality characteristic. Some of us are just more moral, upright, dutiful, vigilant than others. I love that word vigilant so much. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. I told you in a previous podcast who said that. So if you don't remember or if you don't know, go look it up. I'm going to stop giving you guys homework on my show. I'm just going to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to give you little trivia questions. I'm going to say things like, hey, if you don't know, go look it up. I'm trying to motivate you. I'm trying to destroy your boredom. I'm trying to destroy your apathy. I'm trying to destroy your disinterest because I find it to be gross and disgusting. It insults my intelligence as a mature adult, military veteran, statesman who served his country honorably that some of you people get to have an opinion. I know, it's a free country. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I believe in religious freedom. Absolutely. But what I don't believe in is the cult of anti-intellectualism. What I don't believe in is naive, gullible, stupid, idiot, moron, lemmings. And the reason why I don't believe in that crap, because I know in my heart of hearts that each and every one of us are better than that. It's not a question. I know it. There is good deep down in each and every one of us.
no matter what mistakes you've made in your life. It doesn't matter. If a society was created to cultivate the betterment and the, you know, the progression of what a human being is capable of accomplishing in this life, in this world, you know, maybe that's utopia. Maybe that's, you know, the dream world, heavenly place that some of these really fundamentalist, idealist thinkers have thought about and prophesized throughout history. Maybe a lot of them really did have good ideas and good intentions. But it just seems to me, it just seems to me that there's a lot of evil in this world as well. And good versus evil, eating from the tree of life, the tree of knowledge, that story and that idea and those philosophical concepts and those religious even concepts, I'm here to tell you that the more you people research and seek out and discover, you are going to find that a lot of your questions end up at that place, at that tree of life, that tree of knowledge. And if you eat from that tree, you may become godlike, allegedly. Whew. Okay, now that I got off of that train, train of thought, whew, I'm just, man, this stuff's important to me, people. It's important to me. Like, I, I really, I'm trying, man. I'm, I'm trying. I'm just trying to help. I can't leave it alone. I got to move on. I got to move on. Uh, here we go. Here's a quote by a guy named Lewis Thomas McFadden. If you don't know who that is, go look it up. <laughs> uh, quote, the Federal Reserve is one of the most corrupt institutions the world has ever seen. There is not a man within the sound of my voice who does not know that this nation is run by international bankers. That's pretty interesting. Uh, and then you know what? I gotta, I gotta give a shout out. I gotta give a shout out. There's a guy that I follow on Instagram. His name is Adam Voigt 111. So Adam V O I G T 111 is his Instagram name. And this guy's posts lately have been absolute fire. And I want, uh, man, I don't know if there's any truth to this. I don't know where this information came from, but boy, did I find it fascinating. Uh, here's a little blurb about one of the Rothschilds. Heir to the Rothschild family, Nathan, or Nathaniel Rothschild, today wrote to members of the British government 
giving his view that Vladimir Putin is the most dangerous man since the defeat of Hitler, with Xi Jinping a close second, and explain that Ukraine is an essential piece that we cannot afford to lose in the geopolitical chessboard. The heir to the Rothschild fortune argued that Russia must be excised from the international banking and economic system. We must bring Russia to its knees through any means possible to send a strong signal to the Chinese and to protect our global system of norms and liberal values. What does that remind you of? I just got done telling you about Atlanticism. Liberal values. And what if China and Russia team up and face NATO and the World Bank and the IMF? The marriage of the Europeans to the Americans. This is the stuff that scares me uh, when we talk about the World War III, the possibility of a World War III situation. Because if that's really the idea here, if you're looking for proof, I hate to say it, but there might be some proof that this is what's coming that's out there. We must be under no illusions. This is Nathaniel Rothschild, allegedly. If we allow Vladimir Putin to seize Ukraine, it will send a signal to our enemies, Iran, China, and North Korea especially, that we will do nothing when faced with an onslaught of force. In effect, our current path of lack of military action means that our global order is dead in its feet, dead on its feet, or dead in the water, whatever. I urge you to deploy more force against Russia and its proxies. Step up, quote, information warfare, unquote, to correct opinion, especially online, and send weaponry to our friends in Ukraine. Without Ukraine, the global order may not survive. I don't know, people. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how that really completely makes me feel. And the reason why is because, you know what? Maybe I'm experiencing a little cognitive dissonance right now. I don't want to believe it. I do not want to believe that there is a possibility that China and Russia could team up with their allies, including North Korea. And coincidentally, China and North Korea recently have been testing a lot of rockets and weapons, allegedly. And I told you about the... Uh, the defense agreement or whatever between England, the United States, and Australia. Apparently, we're going to build them a, a, you know, a fleet of nuclear submarines. Ugh. 
aristocrats are fighting other aristocrats. They're moving the pieces on their chessboard into place. It's like the board game Risk or the computer game Civilization. It doesn't take a lot of investigation and research to discover what is happening. And I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I am a tinfoil hat wearing, liberty minded, nut job conspiracy theorist. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I really do. Believe it or not. I seek to be proven wrong. And like I always say, people, if you got something to say to me, if you think I'm getting something wrong, if you want to prove or disprove rather, prove me wrong and disprove any of the things that I've said on my show, send me an email. I will invite you on the show and we can have a conversation. Andrew for America 1984 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. The good, the bad, the ugly, I can take it. So I'm going to change the subject a little bit. I'm going to go off topic completely. Uh, lots of good Instagram pages I've been finding lately. This one's Operation Mockingbird 2.0 is the Instagram name. And they recently posted this. And I don't know if there's any truth to this, but this is from the Daily Mail. Dailymail.co.uk. In 2016, Bill Gate, the Bill Gates Foundation gave a $20 million grant to Moderna toward developing mRNA-based treatments. Coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, that same year, Moderna filed a patent for a DNA sequence and allegedly... Scientists just discovered that part of that sequence, the patented, the patented DNA sequence Moderna filed in 2016. Allegedly, scientists just discovered that part of that DNA sequence is in the COVID-19 virus. Boy, <laughs> if that's true, people, I mean, I think I've got to rest my case again. I think I've got to shut up about COVID. What more information do you need if that's true? What more do I need to provide What a world. What a world. What a country. And I want to leave you with this. I think this was a quote from Albert Camus. I could be wrong. But this goes out to all of you discerning, skeptical, patriotic. And I don't, know, I don't mean that in a nationalistic way. I just mean that in a, you know, I have a vested interest in America because I live here way. Okay? And in the spirit of freedom and fighting for your rights and what's going on in Ukraine, 
And if the people are ever going to, you know, fight the divide and conquer agenda and fight the new world order, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But just consider this quote, okay? Pretty sure this is Albert uh, Camus. The only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is in and of itself, I added that, an act of rebellion. The only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. That quote is for everybody participating in the Canadian and American freedom convoys. That quote is for all Ukrainians that might be having to fight for their turf right now. That quote is for separatist Ukrainians also that don't want to be a part of Ukraine and have created republics and they want to be loyal and sovereign states of Russia. People, the big club, their brave new Orwellian surveillance, police state, totalitarian dictatorship order that's coming. It's not fantasy, people. It's not the show. It's the reality. What you're seeing on your mainstream media news networks, that's the show. Get it through your heads. For you, for me, for all of us. People, it's time to play some punk rock. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the show. It's time to play some punk rock, and today I'm going to play a song by my old friend Sulo King from San Diego, California. I'm going to play one of Sulo's songs from his band, Authentic Sellout. And I think they're up for a San Diego Music Award right now for Best Indie Alternative, I believe is the category, so uh, go vote for them if you like the track. And they got some shows coming up I'm going to plug after I play this song for you. I'll give you a little info so you can go uh, find Sulo. He's also got a podcast called uh, The King's Couch. So yeah, Sulo King, he's got a great band uh, called Authentic Sellout. He's got a podcast. Uh, He used to work at a place called Brick by Brick, Booking Bands. Uh, heavy hitter in the San Diego music scene. So here we go. 
without further ado, here's the song American Dream by the band Authentic Sellout. people that was my buddy Sulo King's band authentic sellout from San Diego California uh, they got a commercial out right now they're doing a, um, a beer collaboration they got a beer made after their song American Dream with Division 23 brewing and they got a cool uh, commercial uh, I'll post it on the Facebook page 
And uh, I'll put it on, uh, I'll tag it on all my posts about this episode so that you guys can go check that out. And then Sulo's band, uh, Authentic Sellout, has got a, sh- a few show dates coming up. If you're out uh, west uh, down there and you want to go check them out, they're playing Friday, April 15th with Sprung Monkey at the Music Box. And then Thursday, May 5th with the Swingin' Utters, Manic Hispanic, the Riverboat Gamblers, also at Music Box. People, thank you so much for listening. Go check out Authentic Sellout. Go check out Sulo King's work. The guy's a renaissance man. He does a lot. He's got a hand in a lot. Talented guy and talented band. Authentic sellout. Go check them out. And uh, check out a couple tracks on all your favorite, uh, you know, whatever, streaming services, etc. Yada, yada, yada. I love you guys. Thank you. Good night. Go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Buy a t-shirt or donate to the show. Go check me out on Instagram, Twitter, Gab, Rumble. If you want to see some um, of the video from the interview that I did with Sam Winchester, that's up on Rumble. And uh, I think it's on Gab also. I might have shared it on uh, Facebook, not sure. Uh, But you can go find it on Rumble, absolutely. Again, thanks for listening, you guys. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 87 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Entitled, On Atlanticism and Opinion. We'll see you next time.